I'm Jonathan Goldstein, and you're listening to Wiretap on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode, How to Say Goodbye. So, my, my grandmother, Helen, we, we call her Narnie. Why do you call her Narnie? I think it's because my dad, when he was a little baby, couldn't say grandma, so he said Narnie uh-huh. about his grandmother. So um, my grandmother, Narnie Helen, was in the hospital with pneumonia, acute pneumonia, and she was telling everyone, I, I don't want to fight it. I- I'm done. Her husband, my step-grandfather, died maybe a year earlier, and for most of that year, my grandmother, who was in reasonably good shape for an 87-year-old, was telling everyone, you know, she was ready to die. And we got a call we got a call that it was pretty bad and if we wanted to say goodbye we should probably get there as soon as possible. So um I live in New York. She lives in central Massachusetts. It's like three and a half hours away. So my brother and I drove up there and my uncle flew in from California. My dad came up from New York and we got to the hospital and my grandmother was just out. She was on a morphine drip, and in fact, I never talked to her again. But we got there on a Monday afternoon, and I go up to a doctor, and I say, you know, how, how's she doing? And the doctor said, we don't know. She could die any time between today and several months from now. And my family was really annoyed at this news. Like, we all love Narnie Helen. Everyone loves her very much. But... We were kind of coming up to say goodbye, and I think that everyone had their own fantasy, but it went something like, oh, Narnie, I love you so much, and she'd say, I love you, and you really enriched my life. No, you enriched my life, and there'd be this moving goodbye, and then she would die, and then we'd have the funeral, and then we'd be done, and it would all, you know, take place between Monday and Wednesday, something like that. But she's in a coma. She's out, and we have no idea how long this is going to last. This could last months. My brother, you know, he took time off from work. My dad's an actor. He was in a play. He wanted to be at the play on Wednesday night. And so one of my relatives who had a medical background in a hospital said, you know, I've seen it where doctors move these things along a little bit. And it's good for them, too, because, you know, no one wants to be in a coma. And I was saying, you mean euthanasia? Are are we talking about killing grandmother? Is that the plan? (laughs) We're discussing to killing her so that it fits our schedule better? And everyone was annoyed at me. Every time I'd say something like, I think we just hang out. I think this is one of those times you don't get to pick and choose. You just, you just hang out with relatives. But that next night, Tuesday night, we all left, and we barely got to the hotel, as I remembered. It might have been half an hour later that we got the call that she had died. So now it's planning the funeral, and we all go over to the funeral home, And we have a meeting, a family meeting, about what are we going to do. Now, my dad's very much an atheist, like a devout atheist, a fanatic atheist. (laughs) He really is zealously atheist. And he thought he was alone. He, He had in his narrative of his life that he had rebelled against a religious Christian upbringing and became an atheist. Just a few months before... Narnie Helen died, my dad was talking to his sister, and my dad said, you know, I'm an atheist in some defiant way, and his sister said, I'm an atheist too, Jack. I think we're all atheists. And then my dad 
called his mother and said, Narnie Helen, you know, this is a few months earlier, Mom, did you hear that everyone's an atheist? Like, are you an atheist? And his mother said, yeah, I'm an atheist. Didn't you know? I think everyone's an atheist. And I, I found this sort of sweet and interesting that my dad was, you know, 70 when he found out he's from a family of atheists, that he's not the one rebellious atheist in a family of Christians. He, he's just one more atheist in the Davidson atheist family. So we're sort of deciding in this family meeting what kind of funereal service to hold for my grandmother, the atheist. And my dad's suggestion, which I actually really liked, was we'll just all hang out and whoever wants to will get up and tell stories about her. And I thought, yeah, actually, that's, that's sort of a sweet idea. But my uncle, my dad's brother, who lived with my grandmother, I mean, he took care of her. And they lived in a small town. And everyone knows each other. Everyone talks about each other. And I think my uncle just felt like, I don't want to be the guy in town who sent his mother off without any kind of religious service. I don't want to be the guy with that weird funeral that everyone's talking about. And, and so we all agreed on that. But then the problem was, where do we go? Like, she didn't believe in God. She hadn't been to church. Who would we call? So my youngest uncle said he vaguely remembered once when he was a little kid driving by a Baptist church and her saying something like, oh, I used to go there. So we call the Baptist church and they sent along the minister to meet us at this family meeting at the funeral home. And the minister walks into this room full of atheists and he's wearing like casual clothes. And I can just tell just from looking at him, he's just one of these casual ministers. He's just cool. He just wants to be your buddy. He's not going to push the whole Jesus thing on you. He's like, Jesus is one path to heaven, but there's lots of paths. This is my take on him right away. And he says, I want to know about your grandmother. So I remember taking the lead and talking about what a sweet woman she was. And, you know, I don't think I ever said she's an atheist, but I was like, you know, religion was not a big part of her life. And the minister is just, uh-huh, oh, uh-huh, that's interesting. And I remember... My dad kind of interjected at one point and said, you know, we used to be religious when I was a little boy, but then we saw the light, the atheist light. And my dad, you know, he likes being a little bit of a troublemaker, and I think he was trying to, you know, needle this minister a little bit. But I figured the minister didn't care, many paths to heaven, and I think everything's nice. Then the next morning is the funeral itself, and the minister gets up. And it was instantaneous how I realized how unbelievably, shockingly wrong I had been about this man. This was pure fire and brimstone. There is a place called hell, and it is burning with a fire that will destroy your body every minute of every day for eternity. And there is but one way to avoid this torment. And that is through Jesus. This was my biggest question, was whether or not the preacher was saying, your grandmother is going to hell. Because I, I thought he was saying that. I thought he was saying, she is going to hell, and you all are going to follow her there. And my wife says, I just squeezed her knee so hard. And I'm looking at my family, and people are getting ready 
I mean, my uncle and my dad were thinking about getting up to punch him or walk out of the room or... My, my dad was furious. My dad was just angry. And the worst part is, as the minister walked out, he was shaking people's hands. And I remember shaking his hand and feeling like, oh, man, you had me. I am such a schmuck. And did, did you, um, did anyone in the family confront him? No. I would, I was too cowardly. I, I almost feel like this interview is like a two-parter. Like, I got to get the preacher on the phone. I know. I would love that. <laughs> that would be great. What would you want to ask him? I mean, I guess, first I would just, do you remember this? Which he probably mm -hmm. won't. But I think, even if he doesn't, I'd be fascinated. Should we call him? Yeah, I'd be into that. I, I could call him right now. Yeah? I think I just found him online. Yeah, Greenville Baptist Church. That's what it is, maybe. Let's do it. All right, I'm going to call him now. Oh, we got the answering machine. Wait, what was that? 892-3508? Was that what they said? Oh, it's, it's, it's a direct line to him? That's what it said. Hmm. Right, I think that was it. Let me try. Pastor Fisher? Hello, Pastor Fisher? Yes. Hi, this is Adam Davidson calling. Do you have a few minutes? Yes, yeah. Okay, so I also have on the line Jonathan Goldstein, who's a friend and a host of a radio show at the CBC in Canada. Hi there. Uh -huh. I've been telling him about um, my my grandmother's passing that, that you were um, the, the minister for. Now, when refresh my memory, your, your grandmother's name. Um, her name was Helen Largess. This would have been a year and a half ago, and, and there's no reason why you would necessarily remember. I know you uh -huh. are called upon a lot. Um, it, it was a large family, a lot of us from New York and California. Does this yeah. ring a bell at all? Uh, yes, uh, in, a, in a distant way, yes. Well, here, here's what I was interested in. I was raised in a, in a non-religious family. I'm actually, I was raised Jewish, but our family is, is pretty diverse, pretty dispersed. Right. A lot of my relatives call themselves atheist. Uh-huh. So, so when you are called upon to do a funeral in a situation like that, what, what's going through your mind? Well, my, my goal is the same in, in every particular case. I, first and foremost, I want to bring comfort to the family. And, and secondly, I want to share the, the good news of the gospel as I, as I understand it from God's word. And I believe that that's a pivotal time to reflect upon, you know, our mortality. And it's also uh, an opportunity, I believe, for God to remind us that our relationship with him is ultimately the most important thing. I guess you said your goal is to comfort and to witness the word of God. Right. And, and in a case like my family, I think there's a conflict there because the word of God doesn't comfort us. It, it, right. it alienates right. us. Right, right. Like if, if you take someone like me, I mean, I'm, I'm Jewish, um, I don't think I'm on a path to becoming a believer in Jesus. 
I mean, you don't want to fully comfort me, right? I mean, you don't want to comfort me in the sense that I will feel good about my path in life. Yeah, I mean, Jesus himself said, what is it? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and ultimately loses his soul? I mean, what good would a few moments of solace do if ultimately you lose your life? One question I had while you were giving the service is, I was wondering if you were wondering if my grandmother was going to go to heaven or not. Well... I'm not the one who ultimately judges anyone's heart. So, I mean, that's, that's strictly uh, up to our Creator. But I personally um, believe that Christ was the uh, heaven-sent Son of the living God. And as we place our faith in Him, that is the key. That is the key to uh, eternal life. So, so, if I don't accept Jesus at any point in my earthly life, I, I will not go to heaven. Well, again, I'm telling you what, what I believe according to God's Word. So, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, you're talking to me on the phone right now, and, and you know in your heart that unless I make a change, I, I'm going to go to hell. I mean, that's, you know, the stakes are so high. Uh-huh. I don't know. How, how do you stay so calm and not just yell at me and tell me, you've got to believe me? <laughs> I think simply because I know that <clears throat> I cannot, uh, cannot, uh, Adam, if I were responsible for your spiritual well-being, uh, I probably would be greatly uh, overwhelmed by anxiety. But I'm not responsible. God is responsible. And are you, either now while we're having this conversation or later, will you pray for me? I will pray for you, and I'll pray for, you know, anyone who is within your family there who might be, you know, it's, I can't imagine going through life without any belief in, uh, in divinity. I mean, I, I cannot, I can't fathom that. What does it make you think of? Uh, a sense of hopelessness, a sense of, uh, you know, if this is, if this is all there is to life, what in the world, you know, let me kind of check out. You know, if you're if you're going it on your own, you have no, nothing and no one to reach out to. I mean, that's uh, wow. Well, we have each other. Well, we do, but you know what? <laughs> We're not too dependable. We drop the uh, the ball uh, a lot. But I've discovered that that a world without God. You know, a mechanistic world, a world, you know, created by the Big Bang that, through some accident, created life that evolved into us. There's a lot of beauty and, and wonder and amazement in that. Uh -huh. And, and yeah, when, when, you know, in my world, when I die, I'm, I'm dead. And when everyone who knew me dies, then the memory what, of me what, dies. And what, if you're, what if you're wrong? What if, uh, Adam, what if after this life and the opportunities that you've had, to uh, to get on board the faith, uh, you you have chosen wrongly. And what if what if there is uh, this place called hell that the Bible speaks of? What then? Do you do you think do you think that uh, you're going off into nothingness? I do. Well, uh, I I wouldn't bet your life on it.
Right. Well, I, I think this has been a, a really rich conversation. Thank you so much. I'm, I am really grateful for your taking the time to talk to me. Okay, well, you take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye. So how was that? I mean, I, I found it interesting. I mean, I, somehow in the call, I felt like I kind of liked him, and I, I don't know if I liked him, but I don't feel like it's his fault. Like... Somehow it had felt more nefarious or more yeah. underhanded or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way he laid it out, it's like, you called a Baptist minister who's from a evangelical Christian church, mm -hmm. and I gave a Baptist evangelical sermon, which is also what I believe and what I'm always doing. Yeah. Like, it just didn't feel underhanded. It just felt like, oh, okay, right. Of course that's what you're doing. <laughs> that is quite literally your job. And in a way, it's kind of perfect that it was a disastrous religious ceremony as well. Like, after the service at the funeral home, we went to the Veterans of Foreign Wars Hall, and it was just all my uncles, all my cousins, family, friends, and we were just all... We all had this common enemy, this minister. <laughs> we all had this shared experience... And, and, you know, at the hospital before my grandmother died, where you might imagine there's a coming together of the family, and we were really just all annoyed at each other. But at the Veterans Hall, we just, like, it was a perfect Davidson family moment. We got a little drunk. We felt a little superior and a little inferior. Like, that's the family package. That's how my grandmother felt <laughs> all the time. Like, my <laughs> my grandmother... She had a twinkle in her eye, and she liked to tease power and authority. And she, she was a bit of a troublemaker, too, like my dad is, like I am. And we kind of got to say goodbye to her, very sad, a little pissed off at organized religion, and also with a little bit of a smile. Something funny had happened that she would have liked. And maybe that was the full completion, that, that we had the completion of an actual ceremony that hit all the ritualistic notes of, of farewell. And we also, afterwards, got to complain about it and feel a little sacrilegious at the same moment that we're feeling religious. You know, in a weird way, it's, it's exactly the right way to say goodbye. Hello? Hello? Is this Mr. Jonathan? Yes, th uh, this is Jonathan speaking. I am the friendship representative of Mr. Howard, and I'm calling from the Pro Star Call Center. When you say Mr. Howard, are you talking about... Mr. Howard, yes. H Howard Chakowitz? Yes, Mr. Howard. I'm not... Okay. Right now, Mr. Howard has lots of other commitments. He's very busy, and so he has simply hired me to be his friendship representative. So Howard is busy? Yes, Howard is very... He's indisposed, sir. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. And, and when, where are you calling from? The call center. ProStar. Are you calling from a call center in India? Sir, talk to me as you would to Mr. Howard. Okay? Very good. You know, Mr. John, I now eat only crackers, no bread, 
and I'm making a sandwich called the Howard Krakowitz Special. Are you telling me that Howard outsourced his side of the friendship? Yes, sir. But don't worry, I'm perfectly qualified. Okay, I can't. I don't even. Mr. I can't Jonathan, even believe you. You sound drunk. Okay, look, I don't know what Howard has told you. This is the first I, step, it's denial. Listen, I, I can't. I have a mountain of paperwork, and I really, really don't have time for this but kind sir, of. But sir, everyone has time for friends. I right. That's very well put. But I'm I'm in the middle of writing a monologue. So, what 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 is Howard so busy with that he's not able to make his annoying phone calls to me himself? That he had to farm it out. Yes, Mr. Howard said you might be a bit of a jerk. But uh, it is to be expected. This uh, is a wait, 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 wait. Hang on a second. What did he say? He, he, he said that? Yes, sir. That was a part of my training. I'm trained for this. The wor- that was the word that Howard used? He said he said a jerk? That is correct. Sir. Okay. Well, you know something? I'm, I'm actually going to uh, give your boss a, a little call, okay? Well, thank you, sir. This is a friendship representative of Mr. Howard at the Pro Star Call Center. We can fulfill all of your call needs, including customer service and computer operations. If you have any trouble, don't hesitate to call our toll-free number. Okay, thank you. Have a nice day. Right, you too. Yeah, hang on, hang on a sec. Divert power. Take it from the dilithium matrix and put it to the shield. Howard. Attack! Attack! Oh Howard, Howard what are you doing? I'm watching Star Trek. This is crazy. This is what you were so busy with? Hang on, hang on. Well done, Picard. Captain you know Kirk, but you are a fine captain, sir. Now, I must pause you for a moment. Howard. Computer freeze program. Yes, Jonathan. What was that phone call that I just got? What are you talking about? I'm in the middle of an interplanetary... You know very well what I'm talking about. You outsourced our friendship. Well, John, it's important that we stay in touch. You know, I, I know I'm kind of, you know, a rock of Gibraltar for you. You know, I'm, I'm your anchor and... Uh, Howard, this is... This a, is a very busy period for me. You're busy and, watching Star Trek. And your point is... John, I've just received all seven seasons of Star Trek TNG. What is TNG? Oh, my God. The Next Generation. Picard, Data, Geordi. And this this is what was so important to you. We're talking about the fate of our planet. We're talking about optimism. Howard, are you insane? I think you're insane if you can't see the value of Star Trek. Who is this woman? Do you, I mean, have you do you, have you even spoken to her? She doing a bad job. I mean, has she asked you about your drinking? Yes, she did ask me about... I found that actually very uh, unsettling. My main focus was that she wouldn't foul our relationship, but honor our relationship. What? But what relationship if I'm talking to a complete stranger? But she's not a complete stranger. We've talked for a good 15, 20 minutes. I filled her in on everything. What I like to eat, what you like to drink. I, I don't like drink. Do. Listen, and, 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 that, and you feel like I know, you could... I, I see you're getting angry. Okay, it's understandable. You're acting out. Okay, now you're acting out, I think, because you think that I'm going to abandon you. This is just temporary, okay? Daddy's watching Star Trek. Howard, will you stop talking to me like a child? I'm trying to speak to you like an adult. One day when you're old enough, you'll see... Now, I have seven seasons of Star Trek to get through. When that is over, then the lady from India will stop calling you and I will be your friend again. So let me get this straight. It's, it's, it's too much for one man to be you. I have a lot of responsibility right now. What, 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 are, you, what are you talking about? Okay, anyway, anyway, look, you shouldn't be calling me about this, okay? I'm paying someone for this. Okay, you know what, Howard? If you want to start farming out friendships, two can play at that game. What are you getting all testy just, for? You, no, no, I'm just... Not, nothing. I'm just saying just wait. 
That's scary. Bye, how? And and do me a favor and live long and prosper. Hello, I am the friendship representative of Mr. Howard, and I'm calling from the Pro Star Call Center. Can I speak to Mr. Jonathan, please? This is Mr. Jonathan's representative from the Star One Call Center. Mr. Jonathan has a representative. No, no, I want to speak to Mr. Jonathan only. No, no, I am Mr. Jonathan's representative. Well, I have a real problem. I'm not able to get Greek food. Mr. Nick is not delivering my Greek food anymore. Well, why don't you just go to the restaurant and pick up the Greek food yourself? That is such a ridiculous proposal. If I leave my house, then who will watch the ultimate fighting that I'll miss Look, something, no? I am in the middle of writing an important monologue for my program on the radio. Desmond, Desmond. I have a mountain of paperwork to do. If you put the mountains of piles in the trash, then you can sit here and listen to me. Pata nahi kaise log hai, jo humko paise dete hain aise baat karne ke liye. Completely pagal ke liye hai yaar. Greek food kyun khate hain? Is there friendship ke liye bhi time nahi hai? Indian food khana chahiye. That's also there yaar. Uh, I'm here all night and you know I'm tired in the day and I don't have time. We should hire our own friendship representatives. <laughs> But I can't afford it, yar. Who can afford a friendship representative? I'm telling you how to do it. We should get them from Sri Lanka. The Indian ones are too expensive. Yeah, they work for less than Sri Lanka. High writer, tip 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 करता है ज़िंदगी की हर कहानी लिखता है. On Wiretap today, you heard Adam Davidson, Pastor James Fisher, Geeta Nadkarni, Howard Chakowitz, and Rashi Kilnani. Wiretap is produced by Mira Birdwintonic, Carolyn Warren, and me, Jonathan Goldstein. Production assistance from Crystal Duhame. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at one for Pacific time and Wednesday evenings at 11:30. You can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca/wiretap.